as we get into this Christmas season, over the next few weeks together, we're going to be looking at some messages uh, really surrounding, obviously, everything about Christmas is ultimately about Jesus. And if it's not, we should make it about Jesus because Jesus, according to scriptures, is our all in all. And, uh, and that should be included in everything. Uh, but we're going to be looking at some of the people surrounding his birth. You know, uh, what's interesting and what I find so fascinating about the Christmas story is, of course, the, the impossible made possible uh, with, with Jesus being born of a virgin, all that stuff. But the focus and detail on all those surrounding this event, whether it's the wise men later on as he's, a, as he's more of an, a, a toddler, uh, whether it's the shepherds, uh, there's all these different people. And so over our next few weeks together, we're going to be looking at them. And uh, the first one that we're going to start today with is the mother of Jesus, which is who? Mary. Mary. Uh, she referred to herself as the maidservant of the Lord. Basically, it just means a female servant. She looked at herself as a servant of God Most High. And so we're going to start with focusing in in Luke chapter 1, looking at the one who held him in her womb, who gave birth to him and who spent years and effort raising him. It's pretty amazing to think about. Sometimes we can become so accustomed to the Christmas story that we can really miss the grandeur and majesty of what took place uh, 2,000 years ago because it has become common. Uh, but this is a story that hopefully you hear about every year for the rest of your life. And it's good that we focus in on as we do uh, because of the significance of it. But we should never let it become something, oh, I've already heard that one. Oh, yeah, there was the girl and the angel and then the whole thing. Uh, we should always come to scripture with a, a fresh heart. And if we feel some of that, oh man, it's the story I know again, then we need to repent and ask God to give us a fresh perspective on his everlasting word. You know, this, this book that you hold in front of you, um, that book physically might not make it to eternity, but the contents certainly will. A lot of things in life won't make it into eternity. But there is one thing that for sure will, and that is the word of God, which the Bible says stands forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. And so we should give it the attention as so. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I want you to think about the mission that she was tasked with to give birth and care for the God man, God in flesh, the son of God the Messiah, this, the one who was to save the world. This is a huge responsibility and undertaking. But out of all of the women that God could have chose in Israel at that time, why Mary? Why this young girl who was not yet married from Nazareth? Now, I think there are some practical things that made Mary a candidate that we're going to look at, but I think there's more than that. I think Mary was special. Uh, she seemed to love God and know him in an intimate, intimate way. Uh, and we're going to look at some of those things today. 
Now, this is something I like to present to you guys every Christmas time because I think it, it puts the perspective of the story in a different light, especially you being the age that you are. Uh, I'm assuming there's some girls in here who are 12 years old. What about 13? 14? Okay. Yeah, no, no one wants to admit for some... You're a 12-year-old girl? That's crazy. Um, now, listen, Mary... At this point in the story, what we're reading today, it is estimated by biblical scholars and commentators that Mary would have been between the ages of 13 and 16. Now, sometimes, you know, when we think of Mary, we might think of her a a little bit older. Now, during ancient times, 2,000 years ago, things were different, right? Now, people aren't getting married until they're like 30, which is okay uh, in, in its own right and depending on what God's leading you to do. But back then, it was, it was uncommon for that kind of thing to happen. Typically, when a young man turned into a man and a young woman turned into a woman, then that's when they, they didn't wait around too long. They, they, they had arranged type of marriages, typically. Most likely, Joseph and Mary were t- were some, was something that was arranged, potentially even before they were actually born. Uh, but what we find here is that God shows her. God chose her to care for and raise Jesus. And so let's look at Luke 1 and see some reasons why Mary was chosen for this great task. Let's pray. Father, as we get into your word this morning, we pray that you would, you would teach our hearts, that you would, uh, that you would minister to the, the, the depths of who we are, that we wouldn't leave today and say, man, what, is, what a nice story. God, but we would leave today changed. We would leave today with a perspective that puts you in the, in the light that we should see you as, greater, greater than all. And God, that we would see the, the plan of redemption and we'd see the beginning of this, of this incredible life that Jesus lived on this planet. And so God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. Well, let's first today look at Mary's background, okay? Let's look at some practical reasons of what made Mary a candidate uh, to uh, be the mother of Jesus. Verse 26, Luke chapter 1 says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, these two verses kind of set the tone. It's, it's kind of the setting uh, for the, the story, the account that's about to take place. As I mentioned, there are a couple practical reasons why Mary would have been a candidate. First of all, she was a female. And contrary to some people in our cart- culture, yes, God has designed only women only females to be able to have babies, okay? Now, second to that, that obvious one that should be obvious, Mary had lived a life of purity, and so she was a virgin. If she had not kept herself in this way, God would have never been able to bring, use her to bring the Savior into the world. This was one of the requirements based on the prophecies laid out in Isaiah 7.14. If you were with us on Wednesday, we uh, spoke much more about uh, those prophecies. And Isaiah 7.14 is that one that says, Behold, there will be a sign to you 
and it will be a, a, a virgin that will give birth to this Savior, essentially what it says. Now, within the genius of God, it couldn't be someone who was already married. And so it had to be someone who obviously was a virgin, who had kept herself pure in that way. But the genius of God was, was finding Mary who was engaged so that, right, so that Jesus would have this family unit that, of course, he would be raised in. It's just in the providence of God when you think about all the details of this is quite remarkable. And in verse 26 and 27, here are some details that are given to us. In these just two verses, uh, we find that uh, there is a certain angel named Gabriel that was dispatched by God. That's what that word sent means. It means to be dispatched, uh, sent from God. We know that the location was the Galilee region, specifically the city of Nazareth. We know it was Mary who was a female. Uh, and, and the history of her was that she was a descendant of the line of David. Again, we talked a lot about this on Wednesday, if you're with us, and the tribe of Judah. And her status was the fact that she was a virgin uh, who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, we're told within these specific details, if you look at verse 26, it says, in the sixth month. Does anyone know who was not here first service, uh, in the sixth month. What is that referring to? What sixth month mark does this take place? Look at your Bibles. Look at verse 26. It says, in, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. What timeline is being referred to here? Anyone know? Yeah. Exactly. Yep, precisely. So uh, when you look at the context, this is referring to the time that Gabriel had visited Zacharias and Elizabeth in their old age and caused them to be able to have a baby. Uh, She was barren her whole life. Now she's old, yet God visited this couple who we find out is related to Mary. Elizabeth, who was John the Baptist's mom, okay, is somehow related. We're not exactly sure. Our best guess is that they were cousins, which would then make Jesus and John the Baptist second cousins, okay? So they were uh, related. Now, the reason this is important is is that's the timeline. So six months later, Jesus would have been six months uh, um, younger than John the Baptist. So God visits Zacharias and Elizabeth causes them to conceive at an impossible age uh, of a woman who had been barren her whole life. And then now six months later, within the timeline, the specific details of God visits, of course, Mary. This is very specific. What we're dealing with is timeline, location, people. This is how God works. Everything God does is orderly. Though God is not held by time, he very much works within time. God had a plan. He had everyone picked out. He had everything set in order. Now, he didn't make anyone do anything as much as he used the free will that he already knows, knew what they would choose within his providential plan. Practically speaking, Mary fit what was needed. 
Now, the plan in our life is very specific as well. Different, of course, in what Mary was tasked with, God has chosen us to do a great work. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said that I will leave, but you will do greater works than even the works that I did. Speaking, that would, that would, that's what Jesus said. Each of, us, each of us have a task at hand in our life. And God uses the specific details of who we are, how he's designed us, where we're located, at what time we're we're born, and what family we come to, uh, to his glory. Now, what is our role? Well, our role is to be just like Mary. We don't have to come up with the plan. Listen, everyone look at me. You do not have to come up with the plan for your life. As you get into high school, you will fear feel pressure in people asking you, and and, and oftentimes it comes out of goodwill, but they'll say, what are you going to do? And it's an understandable question because you graduate high, what are you going to do? But your job is not to figure it out in the sense of you got to make something happen. Your job as a Christian is to say, what does God want me to do and seek his will and just walk in that? You see, Mary was approached that we're about to read with a plan. And her response, as we're going to see, was one of faith, was one of saying, okay, she didn't come up with this. She's not the one who thought, hey, you know what would be a really good idea, God? No. She simply was willing to allow God to use her. However, what she had done beforehand made her a candidate to be used by God. Don't miss it. She kept herself unspotted from the world, not that she was sinless. There are some religions that teach that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was sinless. Not true. She was a sinner in need of a savior just as much as you or I. However, she had a real relationship with God, and she put herself in a position to be used by God. Now, you might not know, what does God have for my life? You might not know all those answers. I'm still figuring out the ones for mine, but I know I just want to be where God wants me to be. But in that time of maybe unknown, you put in the work, you keep yourself unspotted from the world and you pursue the holiness um, uh, of God. You pursue obeying him and that will make you fit for then the master's use. And so besides the practical reasons, I think God saw Mary's loyal love and commitment to him. I think before she ever had an angel encounter, she knew God. And I think that's clear from her response and then how she acted and worshiped uh, following this encounter. And so secondly, you can note down besides her background and some practical reasons, I believe uh, Mary was a candidate because of her faith, because of her faith. We find this in the rest of uh, this this account uh, with this encounter, Luke chapter one. We'll pick it back up in verse 28 and read down to verse 38, okay? You with me? So after Luke explains the setting, he then describes what takes place. Mary, Mary encounters an angel named Gabriel. Verse 28, and having come in, The angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, 
she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, she's speaking about herself, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I don't know about you guys, but I have never had an interaction quite like that. This was no doubt unique because the circumstances and the situation was unique. But this angel comes and and Gabriel, and he he doesn't kind of, He doesn't introduce himself. He just kind of comes and says, rejoice. He says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And her reaction is kind of like, what? What's going on? And this would kind of be anyone's reaction. Um, Why why should she rejoice? Like, why is she favored by God? Why is she blessed among women? And we see that at first she's kind of troubled. The word is perplexed and confused as any one of us would be. Uh, uh, You know, what kind of thoughts were going through her head? What do you guys think? What kind of thoughts were going through Mary's head at this this moment? Okay, why me? All right. So maybe some stuff like what's, you know, I'm 14, I'm 15 years old. I'm, what, what, what are you talking about? What else? Yeah. Fear? Yeah, I mean, right? Because what he's about to say is do not be afraid. So it seems like there is some fear. Oftentimes in the Bible, when we see angel encounters, uh, the, the men and women aren't just like, oh, an angel. They're like, oh my gosh. They're like terrified. Um, that seems to be part of the case. So she's, you know, she's considering, uh, which means to internally debate. She seems to be going back and forth of, of what's happening it doesn't say that she's saying anything verbally out loud, but what kind of other thoughts do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. Who, what, what, you didn't even introduce yourself. You, what, and are you an angel? Are you, what, what has happened? Is she dreaming? Does she think she ate a bad burrito the night before? Like what, what's, I mean, think about it. It would be wild. And so it seems that Gabriel notices that obviously, you know, I wonder if he like, I wonder if he had to like work on his entrances, you know? Like, oh, I should have been a little more, a little more subtle than that. Or this was exactly how God designed. I almost see Gabriel, it's like, he's just like so excited for this news. This was something that he has seen God kind of set up. He has seen it in the Old Testament, these promises. And finally, right, Gabriel's been alive for all of that. And so is it now he's just like, okay, I get, I get to talk to Mary. All right. I, and is he just so excited? We don't know. But it seems like he notices that he startled her. 
and begins to reassure her. Look there uh, in verse 30. So then the angel said to her, he said, no, no, don't, don't be afraid. He's like, this is good. He says, you have found favor with God. That word favor is the word grace. That it was Mary who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is parallel to what we find in the Old Testament. Specifically with, uh, for example, like Noah, Genesis 6, 8. If you know the setting, the world was so evil, full of violence, full of corruption that God needed to wipe everyone out. But there's one man who we're told that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, grace is unmerited favor. It's, to, it's, it's a gift that, that the person didn't deserve. And that's the nature of a gift anyway. It's not that Mary deserved to be chosen by God in this special privilege that she had. But it's that she put herself in a position to be chosen by God for this incredible task. Ultimately, God is the one who's the only one who's worthy, the only one who is able to get the credit. However, God is always looking. The Bible says God's always looking, even in this room now. I believe he's, in a sense, he's going row by row saying, who is going to trust me? And that's what I think is similar because Noah is mentioned in the hall of faith. Have you guys ever heard of the hall of faith? Hebrews chapter 11, kind of like the hall of fame of the hall of faith is Hebrews 11, where it lists a bunch of Old Testament uh, people who lived a life of faith. And Noah's mentioned in there. It says, by faith, Noah did this and did that. And so I think in a similar way, one of the reasons why Mary was chosen was because she was willing to trust God with what she couldn't see, right? Similar to Noah. Did Noah trust God with what he couldn't see and understand? Absolutely. And though he couldn't see the flood, he got to work for decades and built a boat. And in a similar way, Mary, uh, you know, she received what God said, though she couldn't see what was all that was going to take place. And this is similar for us. You see, God is not looking for great talent or ability. It's not like he saw Mary and was like, and saw her maybe with some like cousins she had. It was like, oh, she's just such a good mom. Yeah, she's going to be a great mom to Jesus, so we'll pick her. There was nothing regarding her ability that I think God saw, but rather her willingness to trust him. And those who do big things for God, like Mary, they don't recognize their own capability and say, I could do it, but they recognize the greatness of God and just trust what he says. Now, Gabriel goes on here and tells her what's going to happen because she's been favored by God. He says, hey, no, this is a good thing. You have found favor in, in, in God's view. And so this is what's going to happen. And it's a, look, look in your Bibles. Look at verses, uh, what is it? Verses 31 and 32 and 33. I, again, I see it. Gabriel's just like so excited. And he just like kind of not word vomits, but in a way, he's just like, ah, like this is what's going to happen. He said, okay, you're going to have a son. Okay, we already have his name picked out. His name's Jesus. And this guy, but this son is not, not going to be like anyone you've ever met before. He is literally going to be uh, great. 
He's going to be the son of the highest, the, the most high God. He's going to be a king and uh, he's going to take David's place and the end of his reign is going to be never. Uh, he is going to be awesome. Now, if you're Mary in this moment, you've probably never seen an angel before. You're getting some pretty big news that you're going to be pregnant, that you're going to have a baby, and you've never even done what needs to be done to have a baby. So you got questions, but at the same time, I mean, this is a lot of information to take in. Am I right? And so Mary has a pretty reasonable question. Look at there, verse 34. Uh, she says, then Mary said... <laughs> Verse 34, she said, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Does that seem like a reasonable question to you? To you? It does to me. Um, hey, Gabriel, got one question for you. How? Uh, how's, how's that going to happen? Because uh, I don't know if you know my history very well, um, but that's never taken place yet. So I'm not married and... It's a pretty legitimate question. It seems to me to be sincere and honest. It seems to me uh, that she would have been thinking about, you know, some, you know, her fiance, Joseph. How's she going to explain that one? You know, we know, though, that this question wasn't coming from doubt. But it was coming, I think, actually from, from faith. But we know that because we see a difference. So if you, have you read the story where, so it's, it's pre what we just read. It's that six month mark. So when Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents found out they were going to be pregnant, that same angel, angel, Gabriel appears to Zacharias. He tells Zacharias, Hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be like the most legit person ever, uh, other than who he's going to point people to, which will be the son of God. Uh, he's going to be awesome. And he asks a similar question. If you go back and look, uh, Zacharias basically says, how is that going to happen? Because I'm old, right? And my wife's old and she can't even have kids. But as a result of his questioning, angel Gabriel muted Zacharias until the baby was born. That was one of the consequences because he didn't believe what he was saying. We don't see that same thing happening with Mary. Um, her questioning wasn't uh, questioning God, but she was focused on, on, on still a reasonable question to ask. She was focused on her physical surroundings, right? The physical reality of how to have a child, and that was different. And so Gabriel then brings her to how this is going to take place. Look at verse 35, uh, verse 35 in your Bible. It says, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. He basically says, you don't have to do anything. It's gonna be based upon the power and the presence of God on your body that this will take place. Uh, and he uses this word, overshadow. This word over, overshadow, it means to cover as with a cloud, to envelop fully. And that's what he says. He says the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. Uh, the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's what it says. Now, the connection here is similar to what we find 
in the tabernacle, I don't know why that keeps happening, sorry, is the tabernacle and the temple, okay, uh, where we find the presence of God. During that time, now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so God's presence lives in us. At that time, it was a singular location where God met with his people, and it was described as a holy of holies, where the, the presence of God dwell. Well, Exodus 40, verse 35 describes this, and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And so, in a sense, Mary's womb would become the holy of holies, where no man was allowed to enter uh, and, and this, would, this would produce, of course, the, the Son of God. Now, what Gabriel's ultimately seeking to communicate to her is this, this won't be by what she can or cannot do. It'll be by the presence and power of God. So what was Mary's job then? What was she to do? Really, simply, it was to believe and to get on board with what God was doing. You want to know what faith is? We see it demonstrated in Mary's response. She believed what Gabriel said, and she was willing to get on board. She said, let it be to me according to your word. But before she responds, I love that Gabriel kind of gives her a little bit more assurance. Okay, look at verse 36 in your Bibles. It says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. So Gabriel kind of assures her, hey, the, the, the plan of God is bigger than just you, Mary. And God's been working before I've even come to you. In fact, you know, Elizabeth, your relative, yeah, the old one that's never been able to have kids, yeah, she's pregnant. I'm sure that was a real mind blower to her as well. But it was assuring because it was, it, was, it was showing her that she wasn't in it alone and that God was doing something and already moving. Because for with God, he says, and he closes out this statement before he disappears, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Another way to say it is that no word of God shall be devoid of power. Meaning when God says something's going to happen, it's not hard for him. You know, later on, Jesus would grow up and become a man, right? That boy, that baby boy would grow up to become a man, and he would say to his disciples something very similar. Matthew 19, verse 26, he would say to his disciples, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And as Christians, we got to get used to the fact that this is the realm that God loves to work in. He loves to do what is impossible for us to do alone. And he loves to do that in us. But the only way that we can experience a type of life that's used by God, like Mary, is to allow him the access and respond like Mary would. You can also note down Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen, which says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And always remember this, there is nothing too hard for you. God does not get tired. 
God is not overwhelmed. There's nothing in your life that's too hard for God. So what is our job? It is to align ourselves with what he wants because what God wants is what will come to pass. And so notice we'll end uh, this section under faith here, verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Her response resembles her faith. She believed and she said, I'm in. She said, let's do this. She said, whatever you say, Lord. Did Mary ask or go looking for this? No, I don't think anyone necessarily would. However, it was, at the, it was a privilege. Right? This was something that, that obviously we're talking about her and her example 2,000 years ago. Uh, she said, you know, you know, even the angel Gabriel said, blessed are you among women, that this was a, no doubt a privilege, but this wasn't something that she went looking for. So when God's will was revealed to her and God said through Gabriel, this is what I want for your life, she let his will become her will. It's been said before, I can't remember who quoted it, but it's this, that she let his will become her will. Not just a desire to be submissive, okay, God, we'll do it. But you see a response, there's almost a, a joy. There's almost, okay, God, I'm, I, I want to do what you want me to do. Her life would forever change from this point forward. And at the same time that there were, this was a blessing. And in my opinion, Mary's always going to have a special relationship with Jesus, even on the cross, right? Jesus uh, spoke to his mother and made sure John, his disciple, would take care of her. I was someone that, that no doubt he, he had this connection with. But at the same time, there would be, there would be consequences to what takes place. There would be repercussions. You know, Mary was not married yet. And while within our increasingly pagan culture that we live in, an ungodly culture, that is now not abnormal, at this time, to not be married and have a child was extremely looked down upon and would have caused not only, not only those being outcast potentially, uh, but also some, some legal repercussions uh, within, the, within the law and, and certain interpretations of it at that time. Uh, she could have been stoned. Um, and that, that's one of the things when, you know, when it says Joseph wanted to put her away quietly, is that he, he didn't want to just, not only he didn't want to ruin her reputation, but he also didn't want to want to her to experience what could have come her way. I mean, what was, she didn't know yet that Gabriel was going to also see Joseph. So what was Joseph going to think? This girl who he's engaged to, he knows that he, not, he didn't do anything with her. Yes, she's pregnant. So, so how was that going to look? Or, or what about her parents or her friends or her relatives? You see, there would be consequences. We don't know the details. We don't know all those surrounding things, but we do know that years later, this would have been, this event, listen, would have been something that followed Jesus his whole life. That even the religious leaders were aware that Mary was pregnant before she got married. Now, 
we know that everything was done righteously before God. But there comes a time where the religious leaders who are fighting against Jesus and hate him, they actually throw that reality back in his face, trying to make him illegitimate and his teaching untrustworthy. See, there are times where there's going to be repercussions to your faith. To you saying what Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. There's going to be times where people look down upon you, listen, for what you stand for and what you believe in. Sometimes that, that's going to even take place within your own friends, friend group. Sometimes it's going to take place within your family. But we are to be like Mary who would say, I am a servant of the Lord. Believing and trusting him with the repercussions and being obedient to what he's asked us to do. And so I think this faith that Mary displayed wasn't something instantaneously. Mary didn't become this incredible woman of faith when she saw Gabriel. It was already something that was being cultivated in her life. And I think this becomes even more clear in her song of worship, in her song of worship. Okay, so this crazy encounter kind of takes place with this angel. Hey, you too, stop talking. Thank you. No, stop talking. Thank you. So after this kind of crazy encounter with this angel that God sent to her, uh, Gabriel mentioned, you know, how God was already moving in, in her relative Elizabeth, that Mary decides to go and see Elizabeth. And uh, that, that makes sense. And so uh, we're told that she travels down south, right? She was in the Galilee region, but Elizabeth lived in Judea, which is close to Jerusalem, which would have been uh, down south, south of Israel. And we're told that she goes there. And the moment that she enters Elizabeth's house, she's now, right? She, Jesus is already beginning to grow. John the Baptist is, is six plus months in. And we're told, the story goes that, that right when they see each other, that John the Baptist leaps for joy in the womb of Elizabeth. And there's kind of this, this crazy encounter. And Elizabeth kind of knows already. I don't, I don't know how she knew. I don't know if Mary had already told her or what took place. But Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and assures her that all these things that God said would come to pass. And out of this, Mary responds with this prayer. And this prayer is known as the Song of Mary. Uh, can I read it to you? Look at, look at chapter one. So I know those are the wrong verses. So write down instead, right? We already looked at those two. Write down, I meant to fix it during, in between services, but I didn't. Verses 46 through 55. That's the Song of Mary. Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 55. You can look at me, uh, not look at me, look at your Bible when I read it to you now. So verse 46, same chapter. This is Mary's song. The Mary, then Mary, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy in his name. And the song goes on a little bit more. I'd encourage you to, to read it on your own. But there's something clear here within this song. 
And it's the fact that Mary had the right perspective. She knew who she was. She was a lowly servant. There was nothing overly special about her, but rather she focused on the greatness of God. She uses this word magnify, magnify. She says right there, my soul magnifies the Lord. This word magnify, it means to honor and exalt, to lift higher. It's to cause something to be greater in value than oneself. It would literally be what she is saying, God, you are great and you are greater than me. That's a great statement to make, magnifies. What word does that bring to mind to you? the word magnify, or what concept? Oh, yeah, magnifying glass, right? So when you get a magnifying glass, raise your hand if you've ever looked through a magnifying glass. Okay, that's good. So when you look through it, it's kind of a short question. Does it make that object actually and literally bigger than it already is? No. But does it look bigger? Absolutely. It, it, it enhances and you're able to see the trueness of what, of what is actually there. So when it says my soul magnifies God, when we worship God, does it make God greater? No. God is great on his own, whether we worship, it, worship or not. But to, when she says my soul magnifies the Lord, or when we were singing earlier, my soul, my soul, Right magnifies. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to keep singing. So that's, that's all you get today. When we sing, what are we singing? We're saying, God, you are magnified in my life. God, I'm recognizing your greatness. I'm recognizing your greatness. Paul uses the same word in Philippians chapter one, verses 20, verse 20 says, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. What Paul says here is that God will be shown greater in my life. It's all about perspective. God is great whether you recognize it or not. But to give him the appropriate attention, that's worship. Psalm 34 verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 40, verse 16, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be, what does it say? Magnified, magnified. God was able to use Mary because she exalted God above herself. She recognized that she was a simple maidservant of the Lord but that it was God who would do those great things in her and who had done them in her. Now, there's no debating that Mary was a special woman. Many things can be learned from her. We look forward to meeting her one day in heaven. However, what we must keep in mind, she was just a human like you and I never to be exalted, never to be worshiped, and never to be prayed to. We'll be able to talk to her one day in heaven, but we don't pray to her now. She's with Jesus. She's focusing on him. Mary found favor in the sight of the Lord because of two things, I think. 
her unmovable faith and her passionate worship. She had faith in the impossible and she was willing to magnify God above everything else in her life. Now, obviously, none of us will be given the same responsibility and tasks that Mary had. Each of us have these prepared good works that God has called us to walk down, but they're gonna be different. But God has a lot in store for each one of you. The, the question will come down to is, will you trust him with what you can't see? And are you willing to put him above yourself? Are you willing to let his will become your will? Worship team, you guys can come on out. Last thought, and we're going to worship together, and we're going to worship that song of, of Mary. It's amazing to, to think that though Mary was the mother of Jesus, she birthed him, raised him, and cared for him, that even she had to receive him as Lord and Savior. You know, it was Mary who also was standing there when Jesus was crucified. Did you know that? She saw her son be brutally and innocently murdered on that cross and him willing to sacrifice himself. Could Jesus have come down from the cross? Oh, absolutely. But he chose to remain up there. Why? It was not only for you and me, but it was also for his own mother. It was also her sins that put him there. And she now, though, will always, of course, she's always, he's always gonna be her son but he existed far before he ever came in the flesh. And now in heaven, she worships what she called in her song, God, her savior. So the very mother of Jesus had to, listen, if Mary never received Jesus as savior, she would not be with him today. Yet it's pretty clear from scripture that she did. But what about you? Have you received Jesus as your savior? Is he not only your savior, but is he your Lord? Does he call the shots in your life? If you want to know if Jesus is your savior, is look at your life and see who runs it. If it's you who runs your life, then you might like the idea of him saving you. But I'm not so sure if you've ever actually put your faith and your trust in him. Because when you do that, we respond like Mary Behold the maidservant or the manservant of the Lord. Blessed, not blessed. Let it be to me according to your word. When God speaks, do you answer? Let's make sure that we are his today. None of you walk out of this room without Jesus as your savior, all right? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on that cross. We thank you that there was no, there's no shortcuts. You didn't cut any corners. You were born as a baby. It was your mother who had to change you and feed you. And you were willing. You didn't need to do that, but you were willing to experience humanity. That you might be able to be a legitimate sacrifice for us. We just, we just so praise you for that fact. And that's why we just celebrate. We celebrate 
because you are worthy to be magnified, exalted, lifted high. We know that you don't need our worship. But God, do we want to give it? We want to align ourselves with your will. And we just want to recognize your greatness. You have done great things. And Jesus, coming into the world, dying on the cross, and raising from the dead is the best thing ever. And so we just acknowledge that today as we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.